Hello, and welcome back to the More Than Creative podcast with your host, Dakota Hersey, and co-host, Weston Hersey. Hello. (laughs) So when we were trying to come up with the topic for today's episode, I almost said today's show, for today's episode, I was, we were kind of inspired by a reel that Weston sent me this past week that was... It was it, Obama's speechwriters talking about the do's and don'ts of wedding toasts. Which is so funny because our wedding this past weekend, the two, the maid and matron of honor were both in the bridal suite with us while we were eating dinner and they were practicing their toasts. And one of the guys that works with the planner was talking about how they should add on a service where they help people write their toast and practice them because he was he's a theater major so he was like helping them with their stage fright and trying to get their stuff together but we see a lot of toasts at weddings and basically one of the key points that they made in the reel there was a few different things but one of the ones that um, I wanted to kind of dig in a little bit deeper of how you can use it within your own business and marketing and content creation is the concept of show, don't tell, and really trying to, instead of just saying your statement, which in the context of a toast of like, oh, they're so selfless and giving and and kind, kind, loving, actually giving a story that would demonstrate or show how kind and selfless and loving they are. Right. Which ironically, the two girls that gave the toast right after like the most recent toast that we've heard actually both did a really good job of that where they both told stories specifically of like either how the couple met or the one matron of honor who was also the sister-in-law gave a story about how he showed up for her. And instead of just saying like, he is somebody who values family and values showing up. She gave and illustrated a story that kind of brought us all along to like really get deep into understanding how their relationship is with each other. So I thought that was shout out to Ray and Sarah for doing a really good job on their toast. But I've always thought of the concept of trying to tell a story as a really important, but then also kind of difficult and something like a practice skill that you have to build. And it comes up a lot, probably the most often with writing an Instagram caption, because that's like a recurring multi times a week task where you're having to, you literally are having to show more than what the photo is. So the photo is already showing you something. And so you can't just describe the photo you need to give context around it about why you should care and I think that the best photos where people stop their scroll and really like allow the photo to be a tool that is furthering the message is when somebody has a really good story that they're focusing on where obviously sometimes a photo is really beautiful in itself and it doesn't really need that much context but then if you're running a business I believe that the magic is really going to be in the caption rather than in the photo. That makes me think of like, I don't think it exists anymore, but the museum in Washington, D.C., it was like the New York Times Museum. Uh 
And they had a lot of stuff in there, like FBI Most Wanted. They had the Unabomber's Cabin. Mm. And then, like, all of the first first pages from newspapers. But the most important thing, and the thing that I liked the most, was it had the every Pulitzer Prize-winning photograph, and then it also had the stories behind them. And there's just a lot of things that I remember from that exhibit, and, like, a lot of photos that I think if I saw them unaccompanied, they wouldn't have been as impactful, and, like, I wouldn't have remembered them as as much, but, like, now that I know the story behind them, I'm like, oh, those photos are crazy. Right, right. They're even more impactful, because I now have context behind, like, the entire story, because that's one frame out of history, so... Whenever you just give more context to it, it just makes the photo more important because I understand it better. Right. And I think that people will sometimes get overwhelmed by like having to come up with a story, especially when it's something that's like, there's not really that much to say about this. Like I just wanted to share something because Instagram told me that I needed to share something. But I do think that going beyond and thinking about the context of, like, how did you get to this point? Or what does it mean to you? Or even just allowing the photo to be like a filler or like, an, you know, just kind of like a, this is a photo platform, so I have to share a photo, but then giving some type of unrelated story in mm-hmm. the caption, I also think it's like a really good strategy to... Um, Free yourself up. Right. You don't have to, you don't have to live within the confines of the photo. You can make the caption something special that stands on its own. Right. And I think also recently applying this concept to websites and all of the other areas of marketing, I really enjoyed working with Kelsey on her website project. And last week we actually finished up her wedding services page and then also her about page. And I think that when it comes to her her as a wedding photographer, and then also her as a person, we were trying to really dig deep to, like always, try to give a little bit more color and interest to what she does, especially since she's in a market that is so saturated. So when we were doing the digging into understanding why wedding photography or why photography at all It was really, it's always really fun when I get into those situations because then I'm just asking people to give me their stories. So a lot of times people will start off with like something where they've boiled it down and they're practicing, you know, like your elevator speech and you're, you've got like your five second pitch of like, okay, well, I want to be a photographer because I enjoy giving people, capturing moments that were going to last a lifetime. But it's like, I want to understand what that means to you because we're not in an elevator and we don't only have five seconds and we're speaking to somebody who has come and is actively trying to learn more about you. So obviously like you have to think about like homepage headline, like you, you need to keep it kind of short and sweet and concise and to the point. But then also as you get deeper into your marketing, like you have to get out of that mentality and not be afraid of giving detail, not necessarily just being long-winded for the sake of being long-winded, but actually trying to explain what you mean 
without feeling like you're just using definitions or like just using words. Yeah, the reason there's a huge focus on show don't tell. I mean, that's like a constantly repeated in any creative writing program and any anything where you go where they where they ask you to write. It's constant show don't tell. And the real reason that they put a lot of focus on that is because the main purpose is to cut off all of the questions that your reader's going to have. Mm-hmm. So if you were to just say they were kind and they were loving, that's like kind of boring. And the reader can potentially, potentially be like, well, why? Why were they kind and loving? How are they kind and loving? What were they kind and loving towards? Mm-hmm. So the more when you put a story there, instead of just simply saying it, you potentially answer those questions and that's the goal it's it's constantly like why 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 everything that you write um typically if anybody's editing you uh they're going to ask well why did you say this what are you trying to say um how can you show this a different way like it's just asking questions about yourself and then answering those questions in your work and in your copy um so your reader won't have any questions when they're done reading it. Which is kind of interesting because I hadn't really thought about that the reason or the result of being able to give somebody a story is to eliminate questions or even provide context for better questions where it's like, in especially in marketing and sales. And I mean, anytime you're creating anything, you're trying to sell or convince somebody of some type of concept. And so it's like if you're get the more color that you give, the more that they're going to understand or they're going to inquire more deeply about the things that you actually want them to dig deeper into instead of wasting your time either boring them or wasting your time having them ask questions that you're just like, "Well, yeah, duh. Like I don't know why you're asking me this question." Yeah. Um, and so like one of the things that we did with Kelsey was that, uh, it's really easy to say why you want to be a wedding photographer. And a lot of the stuff is really, really overused. And so as I've been working with both Julia and Kelsey, I've been trying to push them and push ourselves to try to come up with things that don't depart from the heart of what they do, because ultimately we are all very similar. So, so the goal is not to become not a wedding photographer, but the goal is to try to speak more directly to why each of their individual whys. And so for Kelsey, it was interesting because she shared a lot about like, she loves love and she loves like the concept of it. She's very into, you know, the romance movie, Nicholas Sparks version of things. And that was the story that she gave us where I think a lot of people connect to that. That's not necessarily, for instance, why I love wedding photography, but I do think that that is, that's something that's so unique to her. And then it gave us so much more to work with where her wedding services page was like very focused on the process and like really appealing to the logical buyer and like making sure that like they're given all of the things that they need before they make an investment. But then right before we go into the investment details, 
we created a section that really just like spoke about her heart on why she does this and some advice that she has for the couples. And instead of just saying like, I love weddings because I love love and I want to be here for your wedding day because it's a big deal. We helped create a story around like she believes that everybody deserves like a Nicholas Sparks moment and she wants to help capture that moment because when you're going through marital hardships in the future, this is the moment that you're going to want to revisit and ask yourself, how was I feeling in this photo and how do I get back to that feeling. And that's a completely different story from just, I want to capture your moment so that you can look back at it in the future. And I think the power in telling a story like that is that it also creates trust with your reader. Like when it's generic, they can think that, oh, this is just like something that they read somewhere else and they slightly resonated with it. And they're putting it out again right but when it's something that comes directly from you it's like oh they really mean it yeah so and the other thing that i want to say is that show don't tell um and asking the right questions of yourself are very high level things like those are things that you have to constantly remind yourself of and especially in the department of like asking yourself the right right questions there's a thing called beta readers and the like writing world so like when people are writing their novels and writing stories and stuff they like have friends that they consider beta readers so they just like write something new and then they're the people who get to read the first draft Mm. and they're the people who uh they trust how they read and they trust the way they think and that they'll ask the right questions and the more that you do that the more you will begin to understand the pattern of questioning Uh that people have it's very hard to do that right off the bat going into it unless you're a really good reader if you're a really good reader then you probably have asked the questions yourself of other things that you've read of other things that you've just seen online whether that be like instagram captions website copy blog posts but if you're not a good reader but you still need to write it's really good to have good readers and people who you trust beside you because it's going to be very, very difficult to do it by yourself. Yeah. Well, and also I feel like you don't necessarily have to, I think obviously good readers make good writers and it helps you be way more interesting and, and way better with like structuring and, and getting comfortable with even concepts, like just jumping right into the story which I can't remember. What's that called? In media res. Oh, yes. But the other thing is when you're writing copy for the purpose of selling, you you really have to like take yourself through the perspective of somebody who's trying to buy something. And so you can also, I mean, everybody, every, and this is where like before you get really comfortable with writing, this is really where you can kind of start from where you can say, okay, I'm still trying to learn how to get comfortable with this skill set, but everybody's bought something. Everybody has made some type of purchase decision. You make purchase decisions constantly, whether it's uh, like being fed an uh, ad on Instagram, or if you're like buying something that's a lot bigger, that has like a much longer sales process where you're having to ask multiple questions. But no matter what, you still have the things that you know 
you're going to be questioning. And the order of the way that you question those things, depending on how big of a purchase it is or like what value it's going to bring to you. So if it's something that is a quicker purchase, you know, you're looking at the qualities of it. Do you like it? Is it a pattern that you want? Do you like the texture? Is it going to be useful in your house? How does it work? Then you're looking at pricing. You're looking at other comparable things. You want to know all of the like specs and the descriptions of it. And then also maybe you want to know like the guarantee behind things. So you want to know what the shipping is going to look like. What does returns look like? And then if there is any actual guarantees that they give you that can kind of give you that like peace of mind. So you go from like a more of like exploration. I want to know all of the things. And then you want something that's like some type of review, social proof, something that's going to back it up some type of guarantee so that that way you feel even more safe. And then that's when you start to um, really get into the different questions that you would have for somebody like as you go down the line. So I would say that you could also still use the concept of the beta reader because they're going to have the same questions. Right, right. So they're going to go through your website and you can think about it in that way too. Or if you also want to think about the questions that you're getting during your sales process, when you, if you haven't necessarily nailed down the order that you move through the sales process, if it's, if it's something that you do over the phone or in person, you can kind of start to take note of the way that people feel and the things that they latch onto when you say those things. And then if there's anything that you feel like, okay, this, this is something that seems to have a really big impact on them in some way, you're going to know that you're going to want to include it somewhere on your website. And then at that point, it's just a matter of how and what order do you present the information so that that way, from a logical sense, it's making sense of like, okay, you know, if I'm going to a service, I want to know who's providing that service a little bit about them. I want to see what I'm going to get. So some type of portfolio, I want to see a testimonial I want to understand how it works, making sure those are all of the different components of a services page. Yeah. It's, I was thinking about this. It's like whenever you're creating something, like that's a bit more business focused. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when things are business focused, you always have to think about the purpose of what it is you're writing. You know, you have like, what, like entertainment, info, research. There's other ones that it's I'm like forgetting. Persuasion. Persuasion, yeah. Argumentative, stuff like that. And you always have to write within those, you know, guidelines. So like services page are a lot more straightforward. There's aspects of it, kind of like a research paper. You, mm-hmm. know? you have your abstract and so on. But when you're doing something a bit more free-flowing and creative, like potentially a blog post and potentially like an Instagram caption, and you can get a little fun with about pages on your website. I always think about, like, you always want to be concerned. Well, I've said before that the best thing you can do is ignore your audience. But in the creativity process, you are your audience. Mm. It's just you. So pay attention to what feels good to you and pay attention to what doesn't feel good. And then once you kind of create the thing and you have the whole thing and you have the scope of it and you, you know, have the outline or whatever, the first draft, then you can go back and reread it as if you are your actual audience. Yeah. And then kind of see how 
you interact with it and see the questions you have it. And if you have a hard time doing that, then that's where the beta readers come in. Right. And the more you do it, the more confident you'll be in understanding like where you're hitting. Lack of confidence in how your audience is interacting with your work is one of the biggest causes of just like struggling with writing. Yeah. Well, and I liked what you said with like you're starting off originally with making sure that you like it. And I'm a firm believer in like, really, like you should be the most views of anything that you create. Like oh, you, you should have to like you it. should be the one who is reading the blog post the most or watching the reel the most. And I am definitely a culprit of that. Like anytime I create something or I write something, I prop, I look at it constantly. Like I'm like, I reread some of my favorite blog posts. Oh, every song that I write, I'm like, I've listened to it on repeat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is so funny because somebody one time, yeah, like they created their first reel and then they got all of these views and then they were like, but I feel like I'm like half of them. And I'm like, this is good though. That's where you're supposed to start. Like you should be statistically half of your views. Well, it's like that. Did we ever post that AI video, AI episode? No. No? Okay. Well, it's like the AI episode that nobody has heard (laughs) (laughs) that I mentioned where it's like, if you don't even care to write it, why would anybody care to read it? Yeah. So, you know, that's where the AI kind of gets like, you know, if you're going to cop out and, you know, plug something in and then not even take your time to write it out, then that just communicates to me as your reader, oh, I don't need to read it. Yeah. They've not put in the time to write it, so why am I going to care about reading through it? Yeah. So that's like, yeah, if you don't care about what you're writing or you don't care about what you're saying why should I care about listening? Yeah. It's kind of like you got to believe in yourself first. You can't not believe in yourself and then have someone be like, I believe in you. Yeah. It's like, right. That's not how this works. Yeah. No, we're not Especially all. Especially not in business. Yeah. We're not all your mom going, I'll throw you a pity like yeah. because, you know, which I think that you could very easily like that, that concept could very easily cause a spiral where you're like, okay, I need to write something that I like. And then you are just like, I don't like anything that I write. So therefore I don't even like myself. And then, <laughs> and then nobody likes me. Yeah. So then it gets kind of existential. So I would challenge you that if you're starting this journey and you're trying to figure out like, how do I write something that I like to look at? I think some of this is like, thinking about where you are the most creative, because if you're in this type of business, if you're in this world, you're obviously doing something that you like the final product of it. Like you're doing something and you're proud of your work and you're proud of what you've done. And I would bet that if you told someone or just like told a story about the thing that you're creating and the way why you like it and why you're proud of it, that that's like a really easy place to start off with. And then when it comes to the actual like technicality of writing and like telling a good story and, and how to put all of your words together so that that way it's communicating what you want, I would say go back and start to take stock of the things that get your attention in the real world and why you feel really drawn to those things. And this can be things that are as easy as like the actual medium that you're trying to practice with. So 
if you're trying to write blog posts, like go and do some digging of blog posts that you actually really have loved reading. If you're trying to up your Instagram game, look at the, the posts that are stopping your scroll. But I also think that part of the creative process, and again, it's like one of those things that you just kind of have to immerse yourself in it and figure out where you're going to draw the majority of your inspiration from, because I think everybody's different. But you can also think about like, the way, what, what songs are you interested in and why do you like them? I really like songs that are kind of deliberate with their story and they don't spend a lot of time. So, I mean, occasionally I like songs that have meanings that I'm able to pull my own meaning from, but I, I like it when the artist is kind of direct about what they're doing. Or I like it when there's a song that is directly related to like something that's happening in real life so that that way it feels like I'm kind of part of the the story, the story yeah. or the drama or, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever's included in that. And so I think about the way that that has impacted my writing and the way that I share. I, yeah, I really like that stuff. I also really like the in media res. I don't know. Why is it called that? It's Latin. Oh. I don't know what it means in Latin, but it is Latin. Okay. It means like dropping in in the middle of the action. Okay. So I think if someone was to look up the translation for it, I'm sure it would be a loose translation of like in the middle of. Okay. Well, and I've also learned that I sometimes can feel a little uncomfortable now that I've been reading more. Obviously, every story has to start off with some kind of introduction into the story and it can feel a little uncomfortable at first with you know it's just starting off with a sentence I just started Verity by Colleen Hoover which is like a psychological thriller and it starts off with not to go on a tangent but it starts off with this girl going to walk across the street in New York and the guy in front of her falls in front of a car and gets his head ran over so it's like I heard it I think the first sentence of the book is literally I heard hit I heard his skull crunch before I saw him hit the floor first lines man yeah first lines are so good and I was like oh I'm I'm in like I I'm that's how I that's how I you know some people read the back of the book and like I'll read the back of the book sometimes but like if I really am trying to figure out if I want a book or not I read the first page because there's Stephen King there's this book called light the dark which is like writers on on creativity just Mm -hmm. a bunch of different writers and Stephen King's chapter is about first lines Mm. the strength of a first line and I think he said that he doesn't even start the book until he writes the first until he's happy with the first line and he will spend like months writing one sentence interesting and he was like I'm not I can't remember it but he said that his favorite was the one from the dark tower Hmm. and he was like once I got it I was like I knew I knew exactly what the book was gonna be, and it's crazy. That's crazy. and then I started that like after I read that I was like oh so like the strength of the writer strength of a writer and this is like in more book world mm-hmm. so this doesn't really apply to like you know business but the strength of the writer and the strength of a book is gonna be like in the quality of the first line yeah like if a first line's really good then I'm like oh the rest of the book's gonna be good because usually I mean. Not in the case of Stephen King, but usually some of the book is written before the first line is ever thought of. Uh-huh. That's a very typical process, right in the middle of it, and then figure out 
the intro. Mm-hmm. You know, once you understand the whole thing, then you can kind of figure out your way into it. Right. But I remember reading Ernest Hemingway, The Short and Happy Life of Francis Macamember. I'm going to say it wrong, but the first line was something like, in the sweltering heat of... In the sweltering heat of Africa, they sat and had lunch as if nothing had just happened. Oh, yeah. I've heard you tell me about yeah, this one before. Like, that one, I just read that and I was like, oh, I had to read it again. <laughs> because I'm like, that's so good. It sets the stage, tells us exactly where we are, and that something has happened that we do not know. Right. Something that has, has happened that everybody, there's a dramatic tension. Everybody in the story knows what has happened, but I don't. Yeah. So then it makes me want to read more. Well, and you take that and put it within the context of writing, because I because I think that sometimes there's a there's obviously a difference between like mediums because writing for a book and a novel is completely different from writing oh absolutely an Instagram caption absolutely. or writing for a website. But you also have to. But this is where I'm talking about like trying to get inspiration from other places because I think like this whole concept of just dropping somebody into the story can feel really disorienting for a reader and as somebody who's creating that thing you're like I don't know like this feels kind of disorienting but if you are somebody who reads books then you start to kind of get used to that feeling because you're that's how all of the best books start off because it works it's it's because it's a hook it makes you want to read and so I think that it's been interesting to me where I feel like the best content, whether it's long form or short form, does have some element of just dropping you in and just getting to the point and saying and having a good first line that draws people in, even if it does feel a little uncomfortable and disorienting. And I think that that feeling comes from, it comes from just not practicing it. It comes from not being super comfortable with it. But that's where I'm saying like, if you get on your Instagram stories and you start off with like, Hey guys, just hoping everybody's having a good Saturday. And I just wanted to pop on. It's like, Oh my God, you've already taken up 10 seconds. Just giving me an intro. That's kind of like a qualifier for why you're speaking instead of just having the confidence to know that somebody wants to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And you know, if you're having a hard time writing, like figuring out where to start writing from, Write from where you naturally do. Editing is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So if you write the whole thing, chop off the beginning. That's true. It's very <laughs> I mean, true. like that's a thing that like that's a thing that I have done to people, and that's a thing that has happened to me. There's like a phrase like "kill your darlings." Uh-huh. Um, don't be afraid to kill your darlings. Where it's just like if you're like, oh, I like love how it starts, but someone's like, well. Yeah, that's great, but like the story really starts like four lines down. Right. So you need to get rid of everything above it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like it's just how it works. I mean, everything that you write is in service of where you're going. Everything that's good. Yeah. Um, I remember taking a screenwriting class and my teacher was like, We're gonna be I can't remember if I've said this story before, but basically we're gonna be writing we're gonna be throwing out a lot. Uh-huh. We're gonna be throwing out more writing than you're probably used to and he was like but that's all in effort and search of something worth keeping yeah and I was like oh wow like it just completely changed my my scope of how to approach writing like 
sitting time spent writing is not ever time wasted even if you're like this is bad i was reading through jack kerouac's journals the other day a windblown world or windblown world is what the book's called and he's talking about i think he's talking about writing on the road and it's just like his writing schedule and every day he's like 15,000 bad words mm. or yeah not 15,000 1500 1500 bad words today 2,000 mediocre words and it's just like each day and then he's like oh we got 3,000 good words today mm. we're, I, we're on a roll now and then it's like and then it's like 1500 we're moving we're moving and then it just like kind of builds there but in the beginning he's like he's just doing it he's forcing himself to sit down and write it and you know, when I approach things that I don't really want to write or, you know, or I don't feel confident in writing them, it's just kind of a, I sit there, I hold my head in my hands and I like groan and then I'm like, it just has to happen. Yeah. And then you just start, you just have to start writing. And then like, even if you, your way into it is just free writing and not thinking about like any way that you can get words on the paper to work with is a success because it's going to be easier to work with them once you can see them. Right. When they're floating around in your head, it's very, very complicated and like it's overwhelming. Yeah. So. And I actually believe that to that point that everybody has, well, I guess I won't make a statement like everybody has it, but I do really believe that, that people have the story and the ability within them to absolutely do it. Not necessarily everyone is, is, you know, going to be the next Colleen Hoover or, you know, JK Rowling or, or whoever, Ernest Hemingway. But I do think that people, especially if they exist in a place where they're doing something that they're passionate about. And if you've created a business, then that you are in some point, some way passionate about what you're doing and how you've decided to spend your time because it's not something that you're just like showing up for and doing it as a job. You had to create it. And so I think that it's really interesting that the more that we've gotten people to really push their free write when they're sending us their uh, like brainstorming Brain, sheets. Yeah. So before we start the copywriting process, I send over a document with a bunch of like prompts and questions. And I tell people, just fill it out, but you need to set aside probably a few days with a few hours on each day to kind of revisit it. And I would prefer that you just say it all. You put as much as you possibly can. Yeah. And the more that people have given me and spent the time getting really deep in and just honestly like getting them to the point where they're past the first like I've, I've narrowed down all of my stuff. I've tried to give it to you as concise as possible. And then they can get to the point where they're starting to write the stories. That's where, that's where a lot of the magic come from, comes from. And I think for like Kelsey, she, it will appear as if we wrote the website because we did a lot of the writing before we got on the calls. And then we did the collaborating once we got there. But Obviously, our job is to take the words and structure it in the way that it should be consumed. And then it's all her ideas. Right. But but even like the paragraph about the Nicholas Sparks stuff, like 
it was basically me just cutting out sentences and then obviously like restructuring them a little bit so that they flowed better now that like half of the paragraph was gone. Mm -hmm. But I was like, these are your words. You wrote this because I've been getting a lot of feedback from people where they're like, oh, can you do this because you just word it so much better than I do? And I think that some of that is a natural skill. Some of that is a lot of practice. And then also just trying to get people to the point where they're comfortable enough like spewing it everywhere so that that way we can look at it and say okay yeah like what we've been consistently saying this is this is the thing that's super interesting how do we just polish it up and hand it back to you because it's already it was yours to begin with yeah one thing going back to one of your original points for whenever whenever you were like whenever you're struggling you're like oh i don't like this like when you're writing something you're like i don't like this and you were saying you should go out and look at the things that you do like and look mm -hmm. at the things that you're drawn to. That's exactly what I was going to say. Uh -huh. um, so there's this book called Steal Like an Artist. It's a great book. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things in it. But one of the main points that they talk about is going out and figuring out how to be inspired and essentially copy the things that you see but not straight up. Like... It's taking them in and then letting yourself change them so it is essentially yours. Uh -huh. I'm a big Beatles fan. So there's a Beatles song called Sun King that's on Abbey Road. Uh, and it sounds pretty similar to Albatross by Fleetwood Mac. And they... It's John Lennon's song, and John Lennon has straight up been like, oh yeah, I heard Albatross, and I was like, oh, I want to make a song like that. So then Sun King was born. So it's like this, it is a different song, but they have the same vibe, but it's like Sun King would not have been born if John Lennon was not looking around mm. at different songs. Mm -hmm. um, some people are just naturally creative and are just pouring out with talent and they can just sit in a room and... Actually, no, I don't think anybody can think yeah, of it. I, don't I was know. like, yeah. if, you could sit, if you could sit in a dark room... I don't think anybody would create anything. Well, who's Maybe the, they would just Van write Gogh? about the darkness. Didn't Van Gogh, isn't all of his stuff he, he did from him um, being in a prison cell? Yeah, in a, it's a, not a prison cell. His like asylum oh. room. Starry Night yeah. is literally the window out, outside of that room. It's him setting up a canvas and then looking out the light. But I guess then at that window. point, he's still being inspired by nature. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, if you're locked in a dark room, all that you're going to write about is the darkness. <laughs> you just write about the environment that you're in. So, if you're struggling to create, go out and look at the environment you're in. And look at the creators that you're inspired by. And look at the people that... The, look at the things that you're interested in reading. And the other business owners that are out there that you're like, oh, I kind of... I want to... I want a little bit of what they have. Yeah. And just... Take it in and and really, really examine it. Answer those questions that you have as a reader of like, why do I like this? Yeah. What are they doing that I like? Um, how are they doing it? Yeah. And then once you understand those questions, they'll be able, they'll subconsciously seep into you. Well, it because you're already be drawn to effort. it. Yeah. So it should, like, it's really just a matter of trying to identify the techniques that somebody's using where it's like, cause I think that the most, the most creative things, like 
the things that you will admire about somebody that they're like, that's so cool. Chances are they're not getting inspiration from within their, within their own industry. They're getting inspiration. Cross-pollination. Yeah, yeah. It's like photographers. I remember Caitlin James said one time that she it up-leveled her detail shots of, of like not necessarily flat lays and stuff, but like of a reception space because she started looking at interior design magazines and she was like interior design magazines don't ever photograph a table setting at an angle they always photograph everything from above it's very symmetrical it's never just like here's this thing and and she was like that's why those photos look so much more elevated and so much more expensive because they're photographed in, a, in the way that you see them in the magazines. And so then she started photographing her weddings that way. And then obviously, like you photograph a table setting from up in a chair facing down, it just looks a lot more. Everything looks more expensive straight on. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I think like she has said before that she's inspired by interior design I think you can be inspired by music. I think you can be inspired by movies that you've seen. Obviously, Barbie. I just saw Barbie last night, so there's there's so yeah, much in that. Yeah, get inspired by Barbie's marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the way that they tell the story, and the way that they like infuse a lot of like really sentimental, heartfelt things, while also having humor still involved in it, and the way that like the timing of things, and and how they've pulled in different what like references, cultural references mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think there's a lot of areas to be inspired by. And then the other thing with it is that it's just going to be a part of the creative process that if you're naturally like this, I do think that it would be, it would help for you to sit with your own thoughts at first and try to sift through them yourself. But then like always, we really believe in the process of like bringing other people in and having somebody else sift through them with you. Because at least for me, like I'm a verbal processor. So sometimes I can sit and think about why I like something. But then a lot of times, like I talk to you and it's like, oh, I really like this thing. And then you'll give me another context or a piece of it's like, well, actually, did you know, I think about this a lot with movies, especially with like Barbie and Oppenheimer both coming out. Those have been like really big conversation. And it's like, I know that I'm going to like this movie. And then you came to me and you said, yeah, did you know there's no CGI in in either one of them? The whole thing is a set design. And so then it's like that. Okay, that's why I like it, because it's like it's real. And they've taken the concept of like the Barbie is always having like kind of like a two-dimensional background and mm-hmm. there's like stuff on top of it. So they've mimicked that in the way that they have actually yeah, done the set Greta design. Yeah, Greta wanted just said that uh, she wanted Barbie Land to feel like, um, I'm not going to say this verbatim, but she wanted Barbie Land to feel like a kid yeah. made it. Like this is what we were all, if, if a kid was able to make Barbie Land with their dream houses and stuff, it would be filled in with colored backgrounds. Right. You know, and the beach would be plastic. Yes. So it's like stuff like that. Yes. It's like going into, do you remember the movie Life Size with Tyra Banks? Wait, yeah. Where she becomes, she. It's uh, yeah. it was the original Barbie movie <laughs> yeah. where she comes to life. And yeah, they go to the scene where she's in her thing and she has to like get into her sets. And I was like... I want to, I want to be there so bad. But anyway, so yeah, just, yeah, thinking about getting inspired by other people that can maybe point out 
the reasons that they the trends that they see you constantly doing because sometimes it's just hard when you're standing too close to the mirror it's hard to like see all of the things that you're actually drawn to and attracted to so whenever you hear good writers or good readers basically that means good writers are people who are citizens of their environment Mm. because that's really all all it means is like when you're, if you want to be a good writer of a novel, you have to be a good reader of mm. novels. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be a country artist having never listened to a country. That's true. Country song. That's true. I'm not gonna be like, this is kind of. I think this is what like if I was to call something country, I think this is what it would sound like. Right. And then I show up like that's. N- you got to do your school. Yeah. You got to do your. You got to do your homework, man. Right. You got to study the space that you're entering. And everything evolves. Culture. Everything evolves from being inspired by something else that was like Absolutely. within. It's like yeah, it's evolution. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And you can oh, there's no more place that you can. There's no. There's not another place that you can see that clearly like music. Yeah. Like I always say, this is a huge tangent but i always say there's like um i think there it's really interesting that there's like two schools um not solely but just like in the specific era of like where we are at with like the indie music scene Mm -hmm. um there's like the people who were kind of follow the beatles school of thought so it's like the beatles inspired these people like it's like the Beatles and then like Nirvana, like Kurt Cobain, like really likes John Lennon. And it's like stuff like that. So there's like a bunch of artists that like reference the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And then they have kind of, you know, Wallows is somebody else who like really loves the Beatles. That's a bit more current. And then there's like the Beach Boys. Like the Beatles and the Beach Boys were at the same time and they were loosely competing. Um, but... They're also different. And then there's a bunch of people who like really like the Beach Boys, like Midwest Emo. There's a lot of people in that genre that are really interested in the Beach Boys. So niche. I don't even know what Midwest Emo (laughs) Uh, is. Yeah, you do. It's the dudes who sing like really nasally. Oh, okay. All of the music that you were into in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that is that. Okay. So, yeah, it's just, there's different schools of thought yeah there's evolutions coming out of people and it's like i can't remember where i was going with that point i got distracted by a thing that i read yesterday about margot robbie she said that she oh it was a rolling stone article that she had she used to boycott Beatles songs because she was such a big beach boys fan oh that's funny because she was like i read somewhere that the beach boys like would have been one of the most popular bands in the world if the beatles hadn't come along so she was like, I hated the Beatles. Oh. <laughs> it's so random. <laughs> yeah, I, my brain's on. I'm, a lot of synapses are firing right now. I'm all over the place. I know. Well, so ho- we can wrap this up. Hopefully, well, we kind of deterred a little bit from our original point of the Beatles. The show Beatles. don't show don't yeah. tell. Well, but, we're showing you. I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. but isn't it kind of meta that instead of just sitting here talking about how you can do this, we actually gave a lot of examples to try to show you a little bit more about how this works and how our creative processes work and ways to try to incorporate them into your own. And also go Beatles.
Yeah. <laughs> Go listen to Abbey Road or Sgt. Peppers. <laughs> okay, so as usual, if you guys can... Oh, I haven't actually actually asked this before. If you want to leave a rating on Spotify, that would be awesome. I saw that today. I saw that you could leave ratings. Yes, yeah. That's we have just... one five-star review. Do we really? Yeah. Oh, okay, yay. We should go look if, it's new, if we can see who that is. Give them a shout out. And then, yeah, if you have any suggestions for topics or questions for us that you want us to talk through, send those over. We're Like we said, we record this in mostly real time like once a week so if there's something that's like pertinent to you let us know and then if we always kind of have we've got a lot of ideas for the podcast but every week we're kind of like what do we want to talk about today so if you have something we can definitely work it in to the schedule okay all right well everybody have a good week and we will talk to you next week bye bye